You're listening to the U.S. Glass Magazine's special daily podcast, Glass Industry Update, The Coronavirus. I'm your podcast moderator, Chris Bunn. This podcast is designed to bring you the latest industry news surrounding the business disruptions in our industry caused by the worldwide pandemic. Be sure to check in daily for a new podcast with the latest updates. And now I'll turn it over to Deb Levy, publisher of U.S. Glass, who will give you an update and introduce our special guest. Well, I'm very pleased today to have Keith Dobman with us from My Shower Door, My Architectural Glass. And Keith's company is something of a renaissance company because in addition to owning eight locations uh, around the western Florida area, his company also does its own tempering as well uh, through a company called D3 Glass. So we'll be talking with Keith uh, for a retailer's perspective and a bit of a regional fabricator perspective as well. So Keith, first, let me say welcome to you. Welcome to you as well and great introduction. Well, thanks. It's very nice to have you with us today. I was so excited when you were kind enough to say yes, because it's been a little challenging um, finding someone in the retail business to talk with us about some of the challenges. Either they're out working like crazy uh, or they're home. So how, how are you faring in Florida? What What's your status? Well, great question. Um, everybody's doing health. Everybody's healthy, including all the family members and all the employees. Um, but it is an interesting time. We had to make one of our toughest decisions ever last Thursday to comply with the governor's um, executive order to have a stay at home, um, even though there was a lot of internal people that felt that we fell under the essential business um, guidelines, which I think you could make an argument for. The problem that we were faced with was dealing with morale and culture, meaning... You want to expand on that a little bit, Keith, because I think that's a very important point that some people don't necessarily realize when they're making that decision. Absolutely, absolutely. And we have, in this market in particular, there is more than enough demand to continue working. And in a lot of instances, maybe you could justify it being essential. Um, but in the big scheme of things, I don't necessarily know that it is. However, not only were we concerned with our employees and and then our customers as well, but then you have to worry about the aspect of the employee spouses and their families. And when when two of our longer tenured employees had personal family members contract this mm. um, disease, it, it really kind of hit home. You know, we were all aware of the severity of the situation and how fast it was going, but it really didn't put a stamp on it until uh, we can kind of personally connect with someone that had it and it wasn't kind of through third person. And that's when we decided that we were going to kind of shut it down for everybody's safety, our consumers, and, of course, our employees. Right. So you're not operational right now. Do I have that correct? <clears throat> our showrooms are not operational, but a lot of us salespeople are still obviously still engaging with our customers as much as we can. But I'm not able to facilitate an order today, manufacture it, and go install it tomorrow. I understand. Um, let me ask you how you handle those customers. I've, I've been on your website. And you have a lot of beautiful high-end work. I'm just curious. You must have been in the middle of some of that, or I would expect sometimes uh, beautiful high-end works 
work brings with it very exacting customers <laughs> who want things finished right away. Sounds like you're familiar with that kind of customer, right? Yes. Uh, how, how did you handle the communication around the closure with them? Great question. Uh, first, it just starts with having the line of communication. Uh, one one thing we implemented probably a decade ago on all of our phones and our showrooms was no caller ID. The reason we wanted to do that is we never wanted the customer to feel that we were screening their calls. Maybe we weren't willing to take their calls. We were, we were actually being more proactive than reactive when we knew we were going to start doing this. So we started touching all of our very important exacting customers before they even had an opportunity to reach out to us. And by doing that, I think it enabled us to kind of put out the fire before there even was one. Now, of course, with the amount of volume that we're doing, you're going to have some customers that just weren't going to be happy with no matter what we said. And in those instances, ownership would have got involved and did get involved. And we made a couple scenarios where we did go and finish these jobs even though we weren't doing that for everybody, mm-hmm. we made sure that the, the home was prepared in a way where there's no one involved. Maybe some cleaning and sanitizing was done before going in there, and we completed those just to kind of keep the relationships going. But for the most part, we did all the calling before they even had an opportunity to call us. We felt that was the best way to approach it. Sure. It's funny. I was talking to a, a shower door dealer, I would say, in the Cleveland area, and they were saying to me, half my customers are mad at me because I won't come and finish the job, and the other half are mad at me because I want to come and finish the job. So I'm just wondering if you faced anything like that. Of course, of course. But also being in this business long enough, you know, it didn't take the coronavirus to have a customer get set off by something. So, you know, having empathy for the customer, understanding their situation, and then just kind of talking it out to build some context to really make them think, is this a life or death situation if my heavy glass frameless shower enclosure doesn't go in in the next two weeks? And when you get them to stop and really think about it without being combative, you know, you kind of go back to the basics of a, a conversation instead of being combative with the customer, trying to have the empathy and, and making them think. And most of the people that we talk to with using those guidelines almost tell you before the end of a conversation, you know, maybe, maybe it's just better that we wait till, till May 1st to do this mm-hmm. and just be, and, and that's kind of the, the route that we chose to take, but that is only done through experience of having some upset customers in the past. And, you know, we like to learn everything the hard way. So I think we were kind of prepared for this accidentally from just years of business. (laughs) I understand. Well, and you've got an interesting dynamic going on because from what I understand, you're a familial trinity there of owners. Uh, The company was founded by you along with your brother, Douglas, and your father, Bill. And Mm -hmm. my understanding is that you handle most of the sales, sales management functions and each of your, each of your relatives handles different parts. Do I have that correct? So how did you guys make that decision? A lot of family businesses I'm sure are grappling with what's the right thing to do and, and who has that final decision-making power in a situation like this? Um, yeah, this was, um, this was a brainstorming meeting that, we weren't necessarily prepared for, but as each day went on and then, you know, we started meeting 
or not meeting, but hearing about people that were close to us contracting this in some of our high rises that we do work where we're closing down and it started moving really quickly. Um, we weighed the pros and cons and, and it was easy for us to decide to shut it down from the standpoint from safety. But while shut down, there's maybe a dozen or so of us that are implementing processes. We're actually coaching a lot of our salespeople up from home. We're doing mm-hmm. a lot of Zoom calls or a lot of the sales representatives from each of the showrooms are still trying to contact um, a lot of their base customers. They're still engaging in social media, trying to add more connections. So we're not treating this as a time to hermit and not do anything. We want to be safe, but we want to continue to try and fill our pipeline as we move forward. But it wasn't an easy choice for us because you got three different personalities at the top. Right, myself, right. who's a, an aggressive salesperson, I don't want to take any time off. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother's kind of more of a visionary up at the top, looking into the future. And I think my father, who used to be a professional hockey referee, is still doing that job between my brother and I <laughs> refereeing us. So I see. You, you have three different personalities. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, one thing we always started with when we when we started this business was we weren't going to let any decision like this get in the way of our dynamic. So whatever two of the three of us decide to go with, all three of us would always be on board with that decision. There's no I told you so's, none of that. So that's how we came about it. That's great. Well, you wouldn't have lasted as long as you have in business without having some really good systems in place. That's great. Um, Let me ask you another question about your customers. Have you seen people asking you to put things on hold? Have you seen any of your commercial projects canceled at all? Or how, well, how's that, it going to look for you when, when business gets back to quote unquote normal? That's, that's a great question. We actually, I was filming. So I started doing a lot of this LinkedIn filming content about 14, 15 months ago. And every day I'm doing posts. Well, at the beginning of last week, I was doing some posts from, a job site or wherever I might be. And I started getting comments like some visceral comments, actually, like, I, I can't believe you're out in customers' homes. This is such a selfish act. And, mm. you know, when you're doing social media, you have, you're not always going to touch everybody the right way. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But in this case, <laughs> I don't know why, but it kept affecting me. So as that further got along, you know, it made us even step back more and say, geez, maybe this is the right thing to be doing here. Sure. It got to you a little bit, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it did. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I'm everybody, typically not that person. Right. Right. But, you know, it's funny when you have a situation where, you know, you know how you're looking at something. I, you know, I face this all the time with our magazines. And then someone shows you a different viewpoint for something and you see it. And even though it wasn't what you intended at all, you see how they could see it that way. And I understand that feeling very well. Yeah, sick feeling. I'm still engaged with a lot of customers enough to know, like our crown jewel project is called Clea Bay in North Naples. It's five high rises. Mm. Their first two are done. Third one's coming out of the ground now. We should be receiving um, that purchase order any day now. And they were one of the first people I reached out to. They're still selling units like crazy. And they have no intentions of slowing down. So that was Mm -hmm. a good measure for us. A lot of retail customers are still calling, Mm -hmm. um, wanting to book appointments. We forwarded all of our phone calls from each showroom. 
to the managers of each store. So we're still kind of have a pulse on, are the phones going to be ringing when we're done? You know, I, originally I thought, geez, I wonder if our showrooms are going to be kind of obsolete after this. You know, are people going to be afraid to go in public places anymore? Are we going to be doing our selling over FaceTime or Zoom? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and those we, are reasonable we, questions to ask, really. Yeah, and we can do that. We're not necessarily <laughs> wanting to do that as much. You know, we put a, a lot of time and money into the showrooms right. to help build value. You know, when you're competing against other people, sure. maybe that aren't charging as much, it's always good to be able to touch or see or have mm -hmm. a baseline for what you're getting. So I hope it doesn't get to that point. But if it does, we will move towards that direction. Yeah. I doubt that it will personally because, you know, when people are putting things in their home, they still, it's very difficult for most people to visualize, probably not for you at all, but most people I'm sure it is. And so it may be a while before it comes back, but I'm thinking it'll be back. And it sounds like you'll have plenty of projects ready for you when it does. I think one way to satisfy that too is through the use of this social media by Posting everything every day, something different every day, people kind of get a feel for almost who you are. Mm -hmm. And showing our showroom and the cleanliness, same with our factory. I mean, you could eat off the ground in our factory. Mm -hmm. I, I think it might subliminally show them like this This is an operation that, it, like for instance, right now I have um, two companies detailing all 18 of our work trucks right now. They're fumigating oh, them. Oh, interesting. Sanitizing Smart. them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're we're using this time and I'll be posting that to show customers, listen, we care. We're coming mm -hmm. in your house with tools, people, we want everything clean. Makes sense. Uh, we're in this for the long game. Yep. Let me ask you a little bit about your tempering company. Sure. Um, most of the smaller and regional temperers I know, and you'll have to tell me if you if this was the case for you, got into the business because they got so frustrated with the quality of tempered glass they were getting that they decided they could, heck, just, just fabricate it themselves better. Was that your trajectory, or did you have a different one? That was probably like one of the beginning catalysts for doing this. You know, when we, when we started in 03, we started to get busy probably at the end of 04 and 05, more work than we'd ever seen before. And the one thing we were noticing is we would sell the job, whether it was in the customer's home or over the phone after we'd measured. And then the next question would always be, how long before you come? And it's like the answer in all construction, it's two weeks. <laughs> and it's one and a half to two weeks. And at that one and a half mark, the phone's calls started coming in. Where's the glass? Where's the glass? Where's the glass? And then we tracked the glass. And for some reason, if it didn't come, now we had, you know, the customer didn't care what happened to the glass at the glass plant. They wanted to know, I gave you deposit. You told me it's coming in. Where is it? Mm -hmm. So after getting years and years of those phone calls, and then I think any good business is always trying to add value um, to not only justify maybe raising their prices a little bit or bringing on new staff. You know, you always want to be innovating and creating more value. And we found that, after getting enough phone calls and running out of ideas to add more value, said, you know what, I think we're purchasing enough tempered glass now to justify making the investment. I see. Mm -hmm. the, the, the hurdle that we had was the family decided to make this decision in the middle of the recession in 2009. And most bankers told us to go 
you know, jump off a cliff. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the one that gave us a shot is now, you know, he's the hero around here. Uh, We were very conservative financially Mm -hmm. leading up to the crisis. We weren't over leveraged. We were kind of like an ideal candidate for lending um, during that time. And we thought that our brick and mortar location and, and presence with our customers was strong enough to last through that. We didn't lay off one person during that recession. But the good news is when we came out of it, some of our competitions that were selling on price were no mm-hmm. longer in business. And now we came out of a recession having the ability to scoop up more market share and we had our own manufacturing. So we were able to create more right. value. That's going to be a similar advantage for people as they come out of this, because even though it won't hopefully be a real recession, it will feel like a recession for a little bit of time. And you can emerge stronger from that, and you're living proof of that. I couldn't agree more. I This, this hiccup in the free market enterprise here will, will be a good test to all the businesses' strength. So if they were operating under, you know, legal moral guidelines and doing all the typical business practices as they should they should be able to weather the storm but the people are just selling on price and skipping here and skipping there for short-term profits are going to get exposed during this they won't be able to take care of their employees like we we all of our employees are being paid full benefits full insurance for these 30 days so trying to curb that anxiety of not Mm -hmm. knowing what's going to happen now as good as that sounds we're we're up against a time element here because we're hoping that this is going to be taken care of in these 30 days and we can get back to work. It all depends on your curve, right? Every yes. state, how the curve goes, right? Well, hopefully yeah. Florida goes very flat very quickly. But I do see an opportunity for us to pick up market share after this. I really do. Well, that's good to hear. Yep. And Keith, before I let you go, I have to ask you a question. When we post this podcast, we're going to put a picture of you up there. And I noticed the picture we want to use, you have some amazing sized rings on your fingers. <laughs> Do, what are What's the significance of those? So we're originally from Western Massachusetts, a town called Aguam. So we relocated in 2002 to Naples, Florida, but... Uh, being a sport enthusiast, we are diehard Patriot fans, and those are uh, a customer of ours purchased the replica Super Bowl oh, rings. Oh, okay. I, they look like Super Bowl rings. <laughs> they are. Me, they are. Which They're is why I had real. to ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so for our listeners, go back and peek at your email because you'll see Keith with all these amazing rings on his fingers. That's pretty neat. Well, thank you. Sure. And I thank you for your time and for joining us and for all the great um, information and advice you gave to our listeners. Appreciate it. Anytime. I'd be happy to do it anytime. Thanks so much, Keith. And you take care. Okay. See you guys. And we didn't receive any new updates over the weekend. So that is our total report for today, Monday, April 13th. Thanks for joining us.